Well, good morning. My name is Kyle. I'm so glad to see each and every one of you. Hope you're having a great day. The weather's cooled off just a little bit. Praise the Lord, right? And we're praying for a little bit more of that. We need a little bit of rain, too. And we're kicking off a brand new series today called In Rhythm. And so it's this approach to following Jesus. And what does it look like to get in rhythm with Jesus? And how do we do some things to help us get in rhythm with Jesus? So what we're going to do today is just spend some time just thinking about this and looking at God's Word, hopefully stirring our hearts up towards our need to be in rhythm with Jesus. And then over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about some very practical ways and practical things that you can do to establish some rhythms to help you to get in rhythm with Jesus, because we are to be followers of Jesus, and if I'm following Jesus, then I'm taking my cues from him. I'm getting my rhythm from him. I'm walking toward uh, him in the beat of his drum, not according to the beat of my drum. And can we all agree, we've got our own drum beating in our head, don't we? We've got our own rhythms, we've got our own ideals, we've got our own way of doing things. And what would it look like if this church fully, completely, as individuals and collectively got in rhythm with Jesus. Here's what I think would happen. I think people would start noticing Jesus way more than they are right now. And isn't that our hope? It not that our prayer? We want people to see Jesus in us. So if I don't have somebody see Jesus in me, I've got to start looking like Jesus. I've got to start walking like Jesus. I've got to start talking like Jesus. Jesus. So I thought for just a moment we could work on our rhythm just a little bit. And some of you in the room are really, really nervous because you're like, I ain't got no rhythm, right? So we're going to practice a little bit with this whole rhythm thing to get this thing rolling. It's not going to be too hard. It's not going to be too difficult, I promise. You need to participate. If everybody doesn't participate, it's not going to be any fun. If everybody participates, it's going to be a lot of fun, all right? And we'll do a few more interactive things along the way as we go throughout this month. But just really, really simple. We're going to start by you saying your name out loud, okay? So think for just a minute. Get prepared for this. Make sure you know your name, okay? Get that straight in your head. Um, if you're like me, like with the family, I call people the wrong names all the time, right? Especially having four kids, and I eventually just say, you know who I'm talking to, right? Well, hopefully you know your own name. Um, so I'm going to say my name. You're going to say your name. We're going to say it all at the same time. I'm going to say one, two, Three, and then technically on four, right, we're going to say our names together, all right? So I'm going to say Kyle. That's what I'm going to say. Hopefully you've got it straightened out in your head what you're going to say, all right? So everybody participating, nothing too hard here on the count of three, one, two, three, and then we're going to say it, okay? One, two, three. Hey, that was pretty good. That was pretty together. Now this time it's a little more emphasis, a little more pride in it, you know, who you are. Let's say our names, all right? One, two, three. All right. I think we have got some rhythm in this room. Believe it or not, you were in rhythm. Now, here's what just happened. We all did our own thing at the same time, and that's kind of cool. We all did our own thing at the same time, but what if we did the same thing at the same time? I think that would be a little bit cooler. So instead of saying your name, instead of me saying my name, Let's say a name that brought us together today. And the reason why I say it brought us together, because if you're a believer, there's no doubt this name brought you here today. And if you're not a believer and you came here seeking today, ultimately this name is the reason why you came here today, and it's the name of Jesus. As believers, we believe it's the name above every other name. We believe it's the name that represents the person that has radically forever changed our lives through salvation. 
So now we're going to go one, two, three, and on four, we're all going to say together the name of Jesus. And let's say it like we mean it. Let's say it like we feel it. Let's say it like we're loud and proud, all right? So let's try it again, a little bit of rhythm here. One, two, three. Jesus. Pretty good. We're going to do it one more time because I think you're getting it, all right? One, two, three. Jesus. What everybody's here. Did you just hear the name of Jesus? Did you feel the name and the presence of the Lord? What if the Lord's church was with their lives and with their mouths, ultimately speaking, proclaiming the name of Jesus? Because it's one thing to say it with our lips, right? It's a whole nother thing to say it with our lives. And I believe that the unbelieving world around us, the people who aren't followers of Jesus yet, I think they're very interested in Jesus but I think a lot of times they're not seeing Jesus in our lives. And it's not matching up. We are saying one thing and we are potentially doing another. We're out of rhythm with Jesus. And we are experiencing a warped version of Christianity. And other people around us are experiencing and seeing a warped version of Christianity. So what would it look like for all of us to get into rhythm with Jesus. So a couple questions for you to consider as we get rolling here. First, are we in rhythm? Are we in rhythm? Are, are we in step with Jesus? Do our lips and our lives look and sound like Jesus? I don't know about you, but I'll be honest, there's definitely parts of my life right now where I need to get more in rhythm with Jesus. And if you're sitting back there thinking, no, I'm completely in rhythm with Jesus, please come on up here right now. I'll let you have this mic. I will sit down. I'm just telling you, there are areas of my life where I'm out of rhythm with Jesus. So let's be honest this morning. This is how we can get to where we need to be is by really looking and seeing and listening to Jesus to decide whether or not we're really in rhythm. Next question is, how do we get in rhythm with Jesus? How do we get this rhythm of Jesus? How do we see him? How do we experience him? How do we know where he's stepping? How do we know what the, the sound of the beat of his drum is? These are two very important questions. And again, we're going to talk about some things today that are going to help answer these questions. And over the next couple of weeks, I want to give you some really practical ways that we can experience these things. But I want to spend just a few moments on this next question. That is this. Where do our rhythms come from? Okay, where do our rhythms come from? How do I go about doing what I do in life? You could even put up this word here, maybe a, a better word for this question is, where do our ideals come from? Where do our ideals come from? I want to give you three big places or things in our life that ideals flow out of, and I think you're going to track with this pretty quick. Uh, I would say the first one that a lot of our ideals and our rhythms come from come from our childhood. And when I say the word childhood, I know that all kinds of memories start flooding our hearts and minds. Some are happy memories. Maybe some aren't so happy. Maybe it even goes down a whole other train for you when you think about childhood. But our childhood definitely sets us on a course and on a pattern and gives us rhythms and ideals about life. Some of you right now may be trying harder than others to remember your childhood, right? Depending on where you're at in life. But our childhood, our childhood. Do you remember... Um, the first time you ever got to go over to a friend's house and like really hang out and 
be a part of family life with them for just a little while. Um, I was thinking about this, and I can remember the first time that, that comes to mind for me. I can remember going over to a friend's house, not just to play, but like to be there for an evening. It was a rare occasion. Um, my family, we were together a lot, and that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, but I don't remember what my parents had going on, but they had to go somewhere. So my sister went to one friend's house, and I went to another friend's house, and we got to hang out for the whole evening. And pretty much right after school, got to go to my friend Chris's house. And so I'm at Chris's house, and um, so the Lou Allens, my house, we had rhythms, right? We had ideals. We had the way we did things. Um, there were just a lot of things we did do and a lot of things we didn't do, and I just assumed that every other house on the planet functioned like my house, right? Isn't that the way it works when you're a kid? You just think everybody else thinks like you do, everybody else believes like you do, everybody else approaches life like you do, that you think the interactions with your dad and or lack thereof are like everybody else's. You just think that your childhood is the way that it is, but you get out there a little bit and you realize, you know what, um, everybody else doesn't do it the way we do it. Uh, for instance, at the Lou Allen house, dinner or supper, whichever you want to call it, you can debate that later, we would sit down every evening around the table, everybody in their spot, and we would eat a cooked meal every single night. We would use real plates and real forks and real glasses, and we would drink really sweet tea. You know what I'm saying? That's how it worked at the Lou Allen house. My dad would pray. We would hold hands when we prayed. That's just how it worked. My, my family, they were believers, and so we just, we just functioned that way around the table, around the supper table. And so anyway, I'm at my friend Chris's house, and we get there, and we plop down on the couch, and um, he pulls out this remote. And I, I don't know, like, how you grew up. I didn't grow up with a remote. Like, we had a TV, and it was color, but there was no remote. He pulls out a remote, and he says, what do you want to watch? And so I said, what do you mean, what do you want to watch? He said, what do you want to watch on TV? Listen, at my house, at that time of day, there was only one thing out of the three channels that you wanted to watch. So there was no question if you got to watch TV at that time of the day what you were going to watch. He said, what do you want to watch? I said, what do you mean? He said, yeah, man, we got cable. What do you want to watch? I said, do who? I had heard of this, but I had never seen it before in my life. They had cable, people. Cable. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? He said, well, uh, there's this really cool channel. Um, it's called Nickelodeon. You want to watch that? I'm like, yes. And we turn it on, and we get to watch Nickelodeon. I get to watch it for the very first time in my life, and we watch Double Dare. Double Dare. It was epic. <laughs> anyway, we're rocking along, and if my memory serves me correct, we got to watch a couple of episodes of Double Dare. And it gets toward dinner time, and his mom says, all right, we're about to eat. And so I get up, because when my mom said it was time to eat, you, you got up from whatever you were doing, you quit doing it, and you go to the table. So I'm kind of heading toward uh, the kitchen, which, by the way, I forgot to tell you this, like, they lived in an apartment. I didn't know people lived in apartments except for on TV, right? So this was just totally different for me. I get up, I'm heading to the small little kitchen there, and I'm, I'm kind of waiting. And he's like, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm waiting to find out where I'm supposed to sit at the table. He's like, no, no, come sit back down on the couch. I'm like, do what? He's like, yeah, we'll eat on the couch. At this point, conviction started to set into my soul. I thought I was sinning. Anyway, and so I, I sit back down. <laughs> Ideals, right? Are you with me? I sit back down, and about that time, the doorbell rings, and his mom goes, gets the door, and there's a dude at the door with pizza. Pizza has been delivered. I have never witnessed this in my life. At my house, we ate out let me, let me back up. We got food from another place maybe once a month. 
It would be going through the drive-thru at Burger King, not McDonald's, because my dad didn't prefer McDonald's. He preferred it Burger King. And what driving through the drive-thru at McDonald's would look like would be everybody getting a burger. Notice I said burger, no cheese, because you can put that on there at the house. No drink, no fries. Oh, no, no fries. I can count on one hand how many times I got a Happy Meal as a kid. I mean, like... (laughs) And so anyway, once a month maybe. And so pizza has been delivered. We get to eat on the couch. She serves us drinks, and I mean the hard stuff. We got to drink Mountain Dew. Whoa. And literally, I was like, we got to get an apartment. They got, they got cable. <laughs> they got delivery pizza. We get to sit on the couch and eat. And, yeah, I got home, and I just was hoping my parents wouldn't find out because I just kind of thought I'd be in trouble for doing all of those things, right? We watched Nickelodeon while we were eating pizza delivered from Domino's. But my ideals were that there was only kind of one way to do things. And you might think the way my parents led me to do things was right or the way they did things. But, like, it's just these ideals, and they kind of get set in with our childhood, right, our childhood. Another huge way that we develop our rhythms and our ideals uh, come from our culture. For instance, most of you in this room, not all of you, but most in this room, uh, cheer for the Razorbacks. And luckily they didn't lose yesterday, so that's a good day. But you, you cheer for the Razorbacks because you grew up in Arkansas, right? I don't know too many people who didn't grow up in Arkansas who cheer for Arkansas, right? I'm just saying, just saying. But your culture, it's not a bad thing, but your culture, like, influenced you, right? And so you're a Razorback fan. And as a result of growing up here in Arkansas as a Razorback fan, you believe that anyone that is an LSU fan is full of sin. Am I right? Am I right? Okay, I'm going to agree with you on that. You're right. They are. But you see, our culture just influences our ideals. Um, but here's what I really need to tell you about our culture, and this is so important. We think Jesus is American. He's not. Some of you think about getting up and leaving right now. I cannot be coming to a church where they say that Jesus is not American. He's, he's just, he's not. He's not. Uh, depending on what generation you come from and you're a part of, that maybe affects you differently, right? Like if you come from a generation that started, you know, a few decades ago, you have some certain ideals in you based on your your cultural experience in America and the lens through which you view Jesus and you think Jesus is. And then for some of you, maybe that just a a couple of decades ago, you were born and you're part of a different generation and you grew up in America and you look at Jesus through your lens, you may have a completely different view of Jesus. And I would suggest to you that potentially both of you are wrong in some areas about who Jesus is. And so I want to challenge you to to simply cast off the blinders and the filters that we look at Jesus with and for us to really be able to see him, to know him, and to hear him so that we can more fully 
become like him, more fully become like him. Another area that really influences our ideals and our rhythms is church. And so if you grew up in church, that definitely influenced your ideals. Great, wonderful, beautiful, not necessarily bad by any means. I grew up in church, and I'm so grateful for it. I want, I want my kids to grow up in church. That's the reason why I bring them. They come whether they want to or not. You know what I'm saying? Like, we go. And or your lack of church growing up and or religion affects your ideals. And so if you grew up going to church, you potentially think, that church ought to look a certain way, sound a certain way, smell a certain way, be a certain way, right? It's just you, you experienced that, and, and it was in the context of Christianity, and so you thought, well, this goes with that, and that goes with this, and this goes with that. But the moment you leave this country, and you go to another country, and you watch people follow Jesus and get together as the church, what you're going to find out is there's a bunch of different expressions of church around the world. And at the center of it all is not what the building looks like or what the music sounds like. At the center of it all is who Jesus is. And us, our hearts and our lives being fully devoted to him. So this big question, I want to I pose it a little bit differently. Where does our rhythm need to come from? One answer, one name, Jesus. Jesus. This is where our rhythm needs to come from. Are we moving through our life according to my ways or according to his ways? I want you to check out John chapter 21, begin in verse number 20. John chapter 21, begin in verse 20. And, and here's what I'm hoping, and I, I don't know if I'm going to do a good job of this today or not, and I'm, I'm afraid I won't, so I'm, I'm praying that I will. I hope to challenge you in the way that you think, and the way that you approach, and the way that you walk, and the way that you talk in relation to Jesus. For none of us in this room, even though some of us have been following Jesus maybe for decades, and I have been, that, that, that we will see Jesus for who he really is and adjust our steps and our ways according to his. In other words, none of us have made it yet. None of us have arrived yet. None of us look like Jesus yet. And I'm telling you, if you're looking that much like Jesus, you're getting really close to heaven, right? You're getting really close to heaven. But some of us in this room look more like Jesus than others. That's just a matter of fact. But how can all of us look more like Jesus? Look at John chapter 21, beginning in verse number 20. This is kind of rounding out the end of the life of Jesus. He's having some last-minute talks with his followers, with his disciples, uh, these guys that would go on to do amazing things for him. And he's hanging out with, with Peter, okay? He's hanging out with Peter. And if you know anything about Peter, uh, Peter's one of those guys that just says what he thinks. Uh, he doesn't think about what he says. He just, boop, he blows it out there, all right? It has caused him to be used greatly a few times. It's also caused him to blow it big time a few times. And eventually, as the Spirit of God takes control of his life, that, that, that um, uh, kind of wiring that he has just to kind of blurt things out, God's going to use him in a big way for boldness. But right now, he's still kind of trying to figure it out, struggling, trying to figure out where he fits with Jesus and how everybody else fits with Jesus because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, right? It's about me being closer to Jesus than you, right? No, but Peter's still like, am I closer? Is he closer? What's going on with him? Where am I? Okay, so Peter. Verse 20, Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. Pause for just a moment. 
It's interesting, we don't have the name of this disciple. It's just the disciple Jesus loved. Um, we spent some time in the book of 1 John, the epistle of John, um, earlier in this year. And this is how John, who's writing this book, refers to himself. <laughs> he refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. You know why he referred to himself that way? It's not because he thought Jesus thought he was any greater or any more special. He just knew how loved that he was. And here's the deal. If you know who you are in Jesus, you too can declare yourself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Because he loves you fully, just like he loved John fully. So Peter points at this guy named John. And he says, you know, he points at the one that the disciple, the Jesus, the disciple Jesus loves. He says, the one who had leaned over Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Verse 21. Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? In other words, um, he is shifting the attention from himself, Peter, to this other guy to compare them. Jesus has just told Peter how things were going to go for him in life. And if you read the verses previously, he pretty much tells Peter how life's going to end up for him and how things are going to go later in life and how he's going to die. And if you really unpack it, it's not really a very pretty picture. In fact, if you really unpack it and you compare it with history, you realize that Jesus has actually told Peter that he's going to die a martyr's death. So Peter's not very excited at this moment, right? Like, you get that kind of news, like you're hanging out with Jesus, like, yeah, you're going to die in two years, and it's going to be ugly, and it's going to be painful. And he's kind of reeling on this. And so he's like, wait a minute, well, what about that guy? What, what about John? What's going to happen to him? Look at what it says, verse 22. Jesus replied, notice what it says. If I want him, John, to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? In other words, Peter, stay focused on what you're supposed to be focused on. And then he calls him to what he's supposed to be focused on. Look what it says. As for you, say these two words. As for you, what? Follow me. Guess what my job, my, what my responsibility, and what my privilege is in this life of knowing Jesus is? It's to follow him. Guess what your responsibility is? It's to follow Jesus. Now, if I'm following Jesus, I'm looking like Jesus, and I'm sounding like Jesus, and I'm drawing other people to Jesus, but my following Jesus and your following Jesus may look different. It's going to be unique in the directions in which he takes us, but we're all going to be looking more like Jesus. And so in this life, be careful not to look at everybody else. Stay focused on Jesus and follow him. That is our calling. That's how we stay in rhythm with him is by following him. Verse 23. So the rumor, don't you love that word? Ooh, it's an ugly word. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple, meaning John, wouldn't die. Look at the rest of the verse now. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Man, rumors are nasty, aren't they? And man, they get going quick. They get going quick. Sometimes rumors get started because people are just mean and they want to get things going. But a lot of times the way rumors get started is because we're not paying good attention. And we don't hear something correctly. And we don't repeat something correctly. And the next thing you know, rumors are flying. And rumors turn into legends. And legends turn into traditions. And traditions eventually turn into truths. And in the early church, 
this rumor starts spreading amongst the community of believers, and it eventually becomes a legend. It eventually becomes a truth among them. Them proclaiming and teaching among the churches that Jesus said that John will never die. But if you read what it said, it didn't say that at all. And I love how John is able to clarify here, but he didn't say that at all. He just said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? So this teaching amongst the early church that John wouldn't die. Hey, you heard Jesus said John wouldn't die. Well, John lives till he's old. Okay? But he's getting old. He's getting feeble. He's getting weak. He eventually dies. Now we got a problem. What Jesus said, right, said, didn't come true. Because the believers heard, taught, thought, believed that Jesus said he wouldn't die, and therefore he wouldn't die. Well, John dies. Well, what do we do now? One of our teachings is kind of out the window, right? We've been teaching, we've been believing that John wouldn't die. And so there is just no way that we would be wrong. So we've got to come up with a reason as to why this didn't happen. So guess what they started saying? They started saying something was wrong with John. John did something wrong. John obviously messed up because there's no way we could be wrong. Well, this kind of worked, but it really didn't work. People started struggling with their faith. They started saying, well, man, like if Jesus said that and it didn't happen, what else did he say that won't happen? Do you, do you see what happened here? Like their, their faith started like, uh-oh, if, if Jesus said that and, and it didn't come true, then what else did Jesus say that's not going to come true? And people started literally leaving the faith after John died because they thought Jesus said that he wouldn't die. But what Jesus really said is that if I don't want him to die, if I want him to remain alive, I'll make that happen. But he never made that promise. You see, these people heard what they wanted to hear. How many times do you hear what you want to hear? Every day, right? Every day do you hear what you want to hear. You take it through your ideals and through your filter and through your preference and uh, through, you know, your way of approaching things, and we hear what we want to hear. Is it possible that we, even at church, and when we open our Bibles, we are potentially reading it not to hear from God, but to hear what we want to hear? I say the answer is yes. That there are a lot of times that we approach it wanting to hear what we want to hear rather than wanting to hear from God. And it's a very, very dangerous place to be. It's kind of like when Jesus starts talking about how you'll be blessed. And we like that, don't we? We read some more scriptures about being blessed. I like being blessed. Bring on the blessings. Hashtag blessings, right? Bring them on. What do you think about when you think about blessings? I'll go ahead and tell you what you think about. You think about bank account. Right? Oh, he's going to bless me. Jesus said he would bless me. And you look at that bank account. You're like, okay, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. I'm, I'm waiting on you. You're going to come through for me, right? You're going to come through for me. And, and the bank account starts creeping down instead of up. And all of a sudden, what do you start losing? Faith. Well, he said he was going to. He said he was going to bless me. Did, did you hear what Jesus said or did you hear what you wanted to hear? Are you with me? I would suggest to you that most of the time when Jesus talks about blessing, he's not thinking about bank account. You're like, he's not? 
Is it even on the list? Like, you know, somewhere down in there. We many times hear what we want to hear rather than hearing what God says. Now, we've got an advantage, okay? These people in that time dealing with this whole thing about John, they didn't yet have the written word of God. And if it had been written down, there weren't many copies available. Potentially what we just read in John chapter 21 had not been circulated very well yet. We have the very written word of God. You would think, you would think that we who have the written word of God would be less susceptible to believe things that aren't true or aren't right or are rumors because we have the very written word of God. And I'm just telling you, it's still happening today and we have the word of God. And it's because a lot of us read it to hear what we want to hear, to get what we want to get to go where we want to go, rather than, God, I need to hear from you to receive from you what you deem necessary to give me and to send me where I need to go. Again, we filter the word of God to fit our way, our idea, our our rhythms. And again, the result of this is we and the world experiencing a warped version of of Christianity. Big idea is simply this. You have to know Jesus to be in rhythm with Jesus. You have to know Jesus to be in rhythm with Jesus. Um, now, I've met some people in my life that I don't know. Are y'all with me? I've met some people in my life that I don't know. I met them. Hey, do you know them? Oh, I met them a couple times, right? What am I saying? I don't know them. I know their name. I kind of know where they're from. But that's all I really know. But I don't know them. Okay, I don't, I don't know them. I met them, but I don't know them. Is it possible that maybe many of us in this room, we've met Jesus, but we don't know Jesus? We had an encounter with Jesus, but we haven't had a relationship with Jesus. And therefore, our, our rhythm doesn't look like the rhythm of Jesus because we met him, but we don't know him. We have to know him to be in rhythm with him. Look at 1 Timothy Chapter 3 and verse 16. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Listen, it's so important that we get this and that we we really hear from him and become like him. Um, And it's also important, as you're looking for 2 Timothy 3, it's important that we don't separate the teachings of Jesus from the person of Jesus. Let me give you a case in point. If you separate the, the teachings of Jesus from the person of Jesus and you just go with the teachings of Jesus, let me tell you what you get. I'll, I'll give you an example. You get the Crusades. You know your history? That is a prime example of taking the person of Jesus out of the teachings of Jesus. A lot of bad things have been done on the basis of the teachings of Jesus because they missed the person of Jesus. It's really quiet in the room this morning. I'm just trusting that's a good, good thing. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I hope you're processing all this because I am. Look at this. All Scripture, every bit of it. Oop, that says 1 Timothy. It's supposed to be 2. Can we get 2? Is that doable? Probably my bad on giving a note there. It should be 2 Timothy. My apologies. 2 Timothy. See how rumors get started? <laughs> First Timothy, by the way, First Timothy 3 is good as well. <laughs> is that possible to bring that up? Working on it. 
getting it, trying. He's, yeah. All right, if you've got a copy of the Word of God, look at it. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. All Scripture, not just a little bit of it, not just a portion of it, not just a, a, a little bit over here, a little bit. All Scripture, okay, all of it, is inspired by God. In other words, God breathed it. It is God's Word to us. He used some men. He used some women to write it down. It's incredible. But He spoke that to them, and then they wrote it down. All Scripture is breathed by and or inspired by God and is useful to teach us, who's us? Me, you. I think a lot of times we think about us, we think about them. <laughs> yeah, they need to get straightened out with the Word of God, don't they? Man, they need some church in their life. They need some Jesus. The, uh, the us is, is, is me, it's you. I think it's coming up. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us, me, you, what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Well, now we're definitely talking about other people because I don't have anything wrong in my life. Those people over there, them, they, they need the word of God. No, we do. Look what it says. It corrects us, me, you. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you were reading the word of God? I could put the question mark in there, and that's a good question, but let's keep it going. When was the last time you were reading the word of God? And you read it and you heard from God. And you had a moment in hearing from God that you knew you were wrong. I'm just off here. I'm, I'm, I'm wrong. When was the last time you were reading the word of God and you just had to say, mm, I am so wrong. If it's been a while since that's happened to you, one of two things is true for you. Either you haven't been reading the Word of God lately or you are so stuck in your ideals and your rhythms and the beat of your drum that you're not hearing what he is saying. Because the last time I checked, the Scripture here in 2 Timothy is true for all of us and it happens way more often than what we'd like for it to and that is it correcting us when we are wrong. But we don't like to admit when we're wrong, do we? I don't, you don't. But he's always right and many times we are wrong. What are some areas that we think about mostly when we think about being wrong? I'll give you the big one. It's what comes to our minds first. It's morality, right? Morality. This is right and that is wrong. This is holy and that is sinful, okay? This is moral and this is immoral, okay? Most, not all, most people who go to church on a regular basis I think, this is my like opinion right here, I think most of us who go to church on a regular basis, we really, really care about being a moral person. In fact, we may even say it's one of the reasons why we go to church, because we want to be right morally, and that is not a bad thing, that is a good thing. And so when we think about what's right and wrong, we think about the Word of God correcting people, we immediately think about the immoral people. We immediately think about people that are doing things that are sinful and ungodly according to morality. And yes, the word of God needs to correct them. And listen, if you have immorality in your life right now and the Holy Spirit of God is making that aware in your heart and your mind right now and he's convicting you of that, then that is him correcting you and you need to let that happen and you need to get that right with God and whoever else that involves. 
What else do we think about when we think about right and wrong, especially in the context of like church and Christianity? We think about theology. Okay, we think about theology. We, we think about our, our, our beliefs. And, of course, you know, we've been at this for quite a while, so we've got all that figured out, right? Uh, th- this over here is how it is, okay? This is how it is, and it all fits in this box. And, and here's God over here. Listen, if you think that you are complete and full in every area of your theology, you have a really, really small God that you are worshiping. Theology is called the study of God. Have you exhausted who he is yet? Have you figured him out? Now, I think there are some things that we can all agree on, and we say this is what it is, and this is what it is. And I'm not throwing that out, but I'm just saying, like, if you just think, like, my theology is completely good, right, and we can put a bow on it because my theology is over there, I would suggest to you that if you get in the Word of God, you are going to have some moments with your theology. You're going to go, mm, I am so wrong. God, you are way bigger than what I thought you were. You are way more powerful than what I gave uh, props to you for. God, you, you move in ways I didn't think you would move. Like, it will happen. It will happen. And I'm not talking about throwing out the tenets of the faith. I'm just saying if we think we've got all of the theology explored, wow, no way, no how. Listen, your ideals and your rhythms will be interrupted if you're getting to know Jesus. So let's get in this other bit of area when it comes to um, right and wrong that I think maybe most of us in the room really need to consider this morning. Could the Word of God be trying to speak into us in this area of our attitude? Our attitude. Could it be that we are doing life right morally? Great. Our theology is sound wonderful, but we are potentially doing it all and going about it all with just a a stinking attitude. So ask yourself these questions. Do, Do you sound like Jesus? Do you sound like Jesus? Do you respond like Jesus? I really don't like that question. Do you respond like Jesus? Do you love like Jesus? Do you share like Jesus? Do you give like Jesus? Do you serve like Jesus? Are are you about sacrifice or self-preservation? Are you about redemption or revenge? Are you about healing or hurting? Are you about kindness or cursing? And I don't think you got to use bad words to cuss people. Just saying. You with me? Well, why, why is all this a big deal? Well, because we need, as proclaimers of the name of Jesus, to become like Jesus. Because there's a lot of other people out there that need Jesus. And when they bump into us and they see everything but Jesus... They're not going to come to Jesus. We've got to get in rhythm and in step in our morality, in our theology, in our attitude to look more like Jesus. Look more like Jesus. We've got to be in rhythm. They need to see and hear him. Let me look at one more, uh, just a couple more verses. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. 
verse 39. John chapter 5, verse 39. And it's right on the screen this time because I gave it to him right. It was wrong earlier because I gave it to him wrong. I just want to tell you that. John chapter 5. Jesus having this conversation with the religious leaders of the day. And if you've been following, tracking it all at the word of God, Jesus and the religious people of the day didn't get along very well because they were all about religion and he was all about relationship. Uh, John chapter 5, verse 39, he says, you search the scriptures. Talking to the religious guys, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. Now, is he saying, I don't want you to search the scriptures anymore? No, that's a good thing. In fact, next week, we are going to implore you to be in the word of God. But notice what it says. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to, what does it say? They point to, who's talking? Jesus. If you're reading the Word of God and you're missing the Son of God, you're missing it completely. Completely. Look at verse number 40. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. i got all the answers, man. I've studied hard and I know all the answers. Morality, check. Theology, theology check. Jesus, well, I, if you miss Jesus, you miss everything. You miss everything. You can have all the morality right and all the theology right. If you miss Jesus, you miss everything. One more quick verse, Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. Don't, don't miss Jesus. Believers, don't miss Jesus. Believers, don't miss Jesus. Because we want people who aren't believers yet to not miss Jesus Proverbs 14 and verse 12. There is a path before each person that seems right. Feels right. Seems right. Based on my ideals and my experience and my life upbringing and my church experience, it seems right. But it ends in what? So am I going according to what seems right to me, what feels right to me, or am I looking at the person of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus and saying, Jesus, you're the one I've got to get my direction from. It, it doesn't feel right to go your way. <laughs> Listen, if you think you're going to feel good the whole time you're following Jesus, you're not going to follow Jesus very long. He's going to make you uncomfortable. You think you're uncomfortable this morning. Listen to me, rattle on. Man, you start following Jesus, you're going to get so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. So just be warned. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun, but it's going to be good, and it's going to be worth it. Some of you are doing things that seem right to you right now, but that relationship's going to come crashing down because you're doing what you feel. Some of you are doing what seems right to you right now, but that career is just not going to go the direction you think it's going to go. It's going to end abruptly somehow, some way, because you're doing it your way, not his way. The list could go on and on and on. So this question of are you in rhythm with Jesus? And to, to be in rhythm with Jesus, we have, to, we have to know Jesus. You have to know Jesus to be in rhythm with you. Not just met him, but know him. So do you know him? This morning, do you, do you, do you know him? Maybe you've never met Jesus before. We want to invite you this morning to meet Jesus. Uh, he is the author and finisher of our faith. 
None of us in this room completely look like Jesus, but we have seen and we have beheld him, and he is the king of glory, and he is the giver of grace, and he is the sacrifice of his own life for our sins, and we point you to Jesus, and we're trying to become like Jesus, and we want you to become like Jesus, but we want you to be one with Jesus, and it only happens through faith. So if you haven't met Jesus, we want to invite you to meet Jesus this morning. If you've met Jesus, I want to implore you, encourage you, stir you up, to know Jesus, to know him, to know him. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you this morning. Uh, I feel very inept this morning to get from my heart through my mouth um, what I really passionately want to say today. I'm just praying that your spirit would take my feeble attempt and you would bring to life and to clarity what we're being challenged with this morning because we, your people, need to be in rhythm with Jesus. We need to walk more like Jesus. We need to talk more like Jesus. We need to respond more like Jesus. Our attitudes need to reflect Jesus so much more because we want more people to meet Jesus and to know Jesus, and we realize that we are the glimpse into Jesus that a lot of people are getting. We want them to get a pure and appropriate view of you. Thank you, Jesus, for overcoming our weaknesses and our failures and using us in spite of all of that. Thank you for the cross that cleanses us of all of our sin. Thank you that the cross of you can cleanse anyone and everyone. And we pray that today that people will meet you and begin to follow you and know you and experience this incredible forgiveness. And we pray that all of us who are believers will get in rhythm with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.